Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 12th of November 2008. I always ask newcomers to look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website where you can download lots of previous talks I've given concerning this great big long history the history of very powerful people and institutions that are guiding us along a pre-planned path into their brave new world scenario while most people are playing and being happy and never suspecting that something can continue for centuries through big foundations and institutions that have their mandates I give you shortcuts to the understanding of it and it is truly overwhelming that's part of the problem to wake up and find out that nothing at all is as it appears to be, at least as it's been projected down into you through downloading, through your education and through your entertainment and your media. Nothing at all. Also look into Alan Watt Sentient, sentinel.eu for transcripts which you can download, print up and pass around to your friends. And these are done in the various languages of Europe. We are certainly on a roll to to this brave new world and it is an old old term brave new world used in ancient Greece in fact by the philosophers uh, along the same the same philosophers in fact who talked about the nature of things and how if they understood nature or science they could literally alter everything on the planet something the secret societies at the top have known for a long time and people think all oh, conspiracies and secret societies they don't realize that almost all of your military industrial complex they mix high-tech weaponry of all kinds and who work with the big, long-lived agencies and foundations, institutions and businesses too, and banks, uh, have been working in secret for a long, long, long time. They're always very secretive about whatever they're up to. The CIA is one of them, MI6 is another, the Mossad's another. These are literally secret societies. So we can call it a conspiracy theory. And we're all paying for these secret societies to run an agenda. We fund them to run their agenda, which affects every single one of us. Right down to our health or our sickness, because they give us both, you see. And right down to the reduction of the population in a hundred years war. To bring in this old, old dream of a brave new world. A term again that was hijacked by Aldo Huxley, who was led in on the big plan and in the higher sciences which were already understood in the secret scientific societies of his day. And that is why he could project and say the world would come around to a brave new world where everyone would be genetically modified, living in a completely different system, in vitro fertilization, purpose-made people, designed, ideal design for your job where you could not withhold sex from another person who requested it from you even things that were 
incomprehensible back in the 1930s when he wrote the book. But then he didn't have a great imagination. None of them do. They're led, they're led in on the big plans. They're led in on the higher sciences that coexist and run parallel to the ones at the bottom. We're always living in the past in reality. And this facade is kept up by news releases that tell us that they're hoping to burst this bubble one day or find this gene some other time in the future or perfect cloning sometime in the future and so on and so on. And that's backed up by the science magazines. That's low-level reality to keep you living in a fictitious world while they use the big toys, the higher sciences, against the people. I'll be back with more after the following break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. Many talks I've given in the past have pointed out the terminology that's often used when you push an agenda. They have their buzzwords and their terms and phrases which you repeat over and over again. And they're taught to do this. Repetition is very important because the public are downloaded by repetition and the marketers tell them the public must hear the terms at least eight times before they remember them and then around 10 or 12 times before they start repeating them. We are the most analyzed species on the planet and the most tested species on the planet. If you want to control the world, it's not just the insects you want to study. You must control and study the people first of all. And we have been studied for thousands of years. This article ties in with the whole New World Order agenda. The old dream, as I say, that always re-emerges down through time and history via the same organizations, really, that are behind them, even though they have many front organizations. People think that the communist system was run by front organizations, and it was, but they didn't realize that the communists were emulating the West. The West already had many front groups set up. In fact, some of the big banking institutions around are literally front groups for MI6, and so are some of the biggest businesses that actually manufacture stuff that you use every day. This is from the Lord Mayor's banquet speech by, delivered by the Prime Minister of Britain, November 2007, November the 12th, that is. Gordon Brown spoke at length on Britain's foreign policy. Now, he didn't even write this speech because none of the politicians write their own speeches. They have teams of professional scriptwriters who are really more important than the front men who speak them into existence. Because the scriptwriters must be right up on what is required in this big agenda and they put it forth in, in their writings. It says that the PM outlines foreign policy priorities. Now listen to the terms because you've heard them over and over before in the United States and elsewhere. It says, tonight I want to speak about Britain's unique place in the world, the new world. The new world is calling it. So we're in a new world for those who didn't know. And where, as a result, our responsibilities lie, how our national interest can be best advanced, and what we can achieve by working together internationally. So here you have 
national interest and internationally, right? And by contributing to building the strongest and broadest sense of common purpose. Now, I talked about common purpose about a week ago, a massive organization that came out of nowhere in Britain, heavily funded, has a lot of top police, military people involved in it. So you know it's a front, and they also use the same MO as the the Royal Institute of International Affairs in their talks. They use the same techniques, so I think they're a front for the Royal Institute for International Affairs. One of the biggest NGOs that are creating, creating the future. It says here, the new context. In the 1820s, the then Foreign Secretary George Canning said that he had called the new world into existence. For those who think it's a new thing, new world orders are always coming and going. To redress the balance of the old, the order of the 19th century saw European empires spanning the globe. After World War II, a new international order was defined by the high stakes of the superpower nuclear standoff. Both these world orders shaped by political weight and military power. In 1989, the old world order dominated by the Cold War came to an end. But how quickly events have disproved those who celebrated the end of the Cold War as the end of history. From Bosnia to Darfur, Rwanda to Afghanistan, we have seen a level of disorder and uncertainty that no one predicted. Utter, utter lies. Because if you look into the same government's books on the projecting the future back in the 70s and 80s, and the United Nations ones that worked in sync with it, they talked about emergent nations and all the conflicts they would have, and they even had the names of the places down pat. So, so either these scriptwriters should do their history a bit more thoroughly, or they're just lying blatantly to the public. Nothing happens by mistake in this system. It says, our international institutions built for just 50 sheltered economies in what became a bipolar world are not fit for purpose in, in an interdependent world of 200 states. Interdependence, that's what Margaret Thatcher called it too. You find Manly P. Hall talked about creating a, an interdependent world back in the 1930s for high Freemasonry. This is where global flows of commerce, people, and ideas defy borders. With such transformative change comes a clear obligation, but also a great opportunity. They always tell you there's a disaster coming or a crisis, but there's always an opportunity to come out of it at the same time. This is how it's phrased. To write a new chapter, to set down for a new era, a better 21st century way of delivering peace and prosperity. So he is using peace and prosperity, the same partnership deal that Canada, the U.S., and Mexico have, you see. These are the, the little slogans they use. Remember what Lenin said, we shall win by the use of repetition and slogans. This is, of course, the first duty of government, our abiding obligation is and always will be the safety of the British people, the protection of the British national interest. That's probably why they built all the underground shelters to save the elite during the entire Cold War, but nothing for the British people. And let me affirm our commitment that we will always be vigilant and resolute, never leave ourselves vulnerable, but will at times support and strengthen our armed forces, our defenses, and our security. Yet the timeless values that underpin our policies at home, our belief in the liberty of all, I don't know where they got that one from, 
in security and justice for all. They have a peer system there, the peer groups uh, in Britain with the royalty and nobility, and an economic opportunity and environmental protection. So again, an environment too is to be used as a big stick to control the people. It's shared by all, but also ideals that I believe that is in our national interest to promote abroad. But we do so in a changing world where six new global forces unique to our generation are demonstrating our growing interdependence, there's again, and pressing the international community. What international community? I mean, have they passed a law and said we are an international community? Has there been any debate, discussion, any, any vote on this international? Where can you get your, your citizenship? Or do you have to go to Rockefeller for global citizenship awards? And again, he says, to discover common purpose. So he's, he's pushing the common purpose coalition, you see. First, few expected when the adamantine uh, certainties of the Cold War came to an end, we would have to address the constantly changing uncertainties of violence and instability from failed states and rogue states. Again, they had massive think tanks paid for by the taxpayer going over every possibility. When they signed into existence the United Nations in San Francisco, in there you'll find all the problems they saw in the future coming up as the colonization dwindled and countries were given independence and all the countries that we go to war with each other. So utter lies again. It says the spread of terrorism has destroyed the old assumption that states alone could access destructive weapons. As dramatic in a different way as the third force for change, global flows of capital and global sourcing of goods and services have brought the biggest shift of economic power since the Industrial Revolution. Well, that was all discussed long before they gave us the GATT Treaty but the public had no say in whatsoever. To the rapid emergence of India and China as global powers with legitimate global aspirations, the new frontier is that there is no frontier. We created China. China was a third world country pretty well up until World War II. And if it wasn't for the creation of the communist system in China and then its antithesis, to fight it, you wouldn't have the super China today. It would be little cantons all over the place. That's how they, they got China amalgamated. And who was one of the first people to send into China to help it through the university teachings? Who taught communism? Lord Bertrand Russell. In his own books, he writes about it. Britain created communism in China. I read before from the international meetings of the Council on Foreign Relations and Royal Institute of International Affairs from the 1930s talking about a post-World War II China and how they could even build it up to be a superpower and the manufacturer for the planet. So, so here they are pretending here in the speech that everything's just a sudden surprise. Oh, we're all surprised. None of our think tanks got it right. Oh, we'll have to just act on things as they, as they emerge. The unprecedented impact of climate change. Here's climate change. We used to have weather at one time. Weather, weather, you see, weather came on at the news and they say, what's the weather going to be? Then we had the farce of global warming and the warming thing has lost a lot of its adherence because of the, the nonsense that they put out that's been disproved. So now they're calling it climate change. So the weather is now climate change. It's like wellness. How is your health? Now it's how is your wellness? 
You ask, how is the weather going to be tomorrow? How, how is the climate change going to be tomorrow? This is the farce of it all. But it's very important to use that because, remember, this man, Brown, and the ones who put him in there also own and run the Club of Rome. The Club of Rome in the 1970s came up with the idea, this big think tank that projects the future. They create the trends for the future, and they get governments to write it into policy. They admit in their own book, the first global revolution that they dreamed up in the 1970s, the idea of a united planet that would only come together with an enemy. And the enemy would end up being man himself, causing the degradation of the, degradation of the climate. This is the idea. They said that would fit the bill. That idea would fit the bill. Out of all the dozens you looked at, even alien invasions, that would fit the bill. Back in a moment after this break.
And if, as Tom Friedman has written, the defining image of the 20th century was a wall representing division, the defining image of the 21st is a web championing connections. A web is something that spiders get their prey onto before they eat them. The defining image of the 21st century is a web championing connections, a world where we can rightly now talk not just of the wealth of nations, remember the wealth of nations by Smith, remember? But the wealth of networks, networks, you see. The web cannot be controlled in the end by any single force or any single leader. And what happens within it cannot be predicted from day to day. Utter rot. These guys would leave nothing to chance. Never have done, never will. George Orwell was not quite right. The technology revolution he foresaw is not a controlling force enslaving people, but for the most part a liberating force empowering them. That's why everything you say and do has been watched by the authorities that work under this front man, Mr. Brown. Complete, utter, doublespeak, Orwell was absolutely 100% correct. In the old order, power affected people but could not easily be affected by them. But once powerless people now have the potential to be heard and see their impact felt in places far away. Really, if that was the case, we'd be assassinated tomorrow. If we could truly affect the way other people work out their lives and their destinies. It says, and because our world is now so connected and so inter- interdependent again, it is possible in this century for the first time in human history to contemplate and create a global society that empowers people. The, the rich, powerful people, the psychopaths at the top, are turning over a new leaf. I, I think that's what he's trying to say. They've given up psychopathy as a bad joke, and they're going to help us all because they've seen the error of their ways. It says here, why do I believe this is not only possible but essential? Because his bosses told him so. But I'll continue here. Because we cannot any longer escape the consequences of our interdependence. Interdependence, brah, brah, interdependence. Weapons of mass destruction, brah, brah, same technique. The old distinction between over there and over here does not make sense of this interdependent world. For there's no longer an over there of terrorism, failed states, poverty, forced migration, and environmental degradation. And an over here that is insulated or immune. Today a nation's self-interest will be found not in isolation, but in cooperation to overcome shared challenges. And so the underlying issue for our country, no, no, this, this is, he's saying this country, the reason I'm reading this article is because this is being given to the city of London. And this is from the government website, the British government's website here, the speech. And the city is where the biggest banks on the planet happen to be, along with the little obelisk they brought over from Egypt a long time ago. And whatever happens in the said here affects the entire planet. We have the Anglo-American establishment that Professor Carl quickly talked about that had been working for centuries together. So what this article is very important because they're telling you, again, a little bit of their agenda, and they're telling you how you're supposed to perceive it. That's the way it's written. And I'll continue with this, this propaganda piece, after these messages. Back in a moment.
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the nonsense out there that's projected through the media, and especially this piece of utter unmitigated rubbish put out by Mr. Brown and written by his scriptwriters, the globalists with a globalist agenda, trying to calm the public's fears and telling them they're all going to be rich and happy in the future. And don't worry about anything. They've got it all in hand. They've foreseen all the difficulties. So here's, and this takes me right back to Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill was telling the nation in World War II with his little fireside chats, same as they had in the United States with the FDR, uh, that they had to go out and fight to preserve their culture and their way of life. Meanwhile, his personal secretary uh, was taking notes and eventually put it into a book called Fringes of Power. And in it he said that at night Winston was having parties with his own peer group and saying this war was the best thing that ever happened because they could get their, their long long dreamed of dream through of a united Europe and even more. That's how it's run. The public are never, ever, ever told the truth about anything. And here they are in this particular speech here with the Prime Minister of Britain telling the, the people now that they've all been dumbed down, stupefied until they don't know what they are anymore, uh, that we're all internationalists. Here's what he says. My approach is hard-headed internationalism. Internationalists because global challenges need global solutions. Isn't that why they supposedly fought the communists? It wasn't that the dialectic nonsense we were fed during the whole Cold War, that the communists were internationalists, and these ones who were going to stop it were nationalists, they said. Utter lies and rubbish and tripe. So it says here, yeah, global challenges need global solutions, and nations must cooperate across borders, often with hard-headed intervention, meaning over and killing people, to give expression to our shared interests. That's why they want to loot the countries. I'm, I'm interpreting what he's saying here. And shared values. What shared values? Hard-headed because we will not shirk from the difficult long-term decisions. That means when we go off and kill more people. And because only through reform of our international rules, our international rules, you understand, and institutions, not the public, but institutions, will we achieve concrete on-the-ground results. That means we're going to do an awful lot of slaughtering in the future to standardize the world. They must get every country under the same atheistic-type system where Hollywood runs the culture industry. And the school system, a universal school system, gives everyone the same indoctrination. That's mandatory for control of the world. So it's building a global society. And do you realize that's our function? We were all born to build a global society. It means agreeing that the great interest we share in common. Remember the technique of the tyrant, who is the wolf, is to convince the sheep that your interests lay in the same direction as himself. That's the same thing down through the ages with big speech makers. The wolf must convince the sheep that your interests lay in the same directions as, as, the, as the wolf. And here it is, right, right from the wolf's mouth itself. Building a global society means agreeing that the great interests we share in common, ask the average person what their interests are, 
are more powerful than the issues that sometimes divide us. It means articulating and acting upon enduring values. Enduring values, they keep changing. Even democracy has never had a fixed, a fixed definition. That define our common humanity and transcending ideologies of hatred that seek to drive us apart. This is from the top guys that, that were the home of eugenics. I knew that talk about hatred. These are the, this is from the very country that, that had the techniques of dividing and conquering down to fine art through using religion, races, and so on to fight each other. This is uncritically, and this is the main theme of my remarks this evening, we must bring to life these shared interests and shared values by practical proposals to create the architecture, here's the Masonic part, the architecture of a new global society. Britain's alliances, through our membership in the European Union, which gives us and 26 other countries the unique opportunity to work together on economic, environmental and security challenges. That means, that means spying on everybody within the European community and the Commonwealth, and through our commitment to NATO and to the United Nations, we have the capacity to work together with all those who share our vision of the future. Now, who are those who share their vision of the future? Because it's not the average citizen who really is in the dark. We get trivia fed to us. We get a murder here or there or something like that to keep us occupied. We don't get the stuff fed by the mainstream. And what we do is, is heavily edited because, after all, the children won't understand. That's what they say. It says, and I do not see these as par- partnerships in competition with each other, but mutually reinforcing. There's no democracy whatsoever, but, but this is mutually reinforcing their partnerships. That's what it is, one big business system, partnerships. It is no secret that I am a lifelong admirer of America. I have no truck with anti-Americanism in Britain or elsewhere in Europe, and I believe there are ties with America. Now, ties is a Masonic term. It's used, it was used during the whole amalgamation of the European Union when prime ministers went over every year to forge closer ties, and that meant integration. That was the, the code word for integration, further integration. They're using the same terms now with the Canada, America, and Latin American Union closer ties. So you understand what it is because it's called a tow rope. The tie, literally the tie that you wear is a Masonic symbol that you belong to the Masonic system. You're living in it. And that's your tow rope. You can only influence those in the circus, the radius of your tow rope is bound around your neck. That's the terms that they use. That's really how they talk to each other in these speeches. It's founded on the values we share. Nonsense, because the U.S. was founded on an idea, an idea that the individual had rights, and they had they had the rights to worship what they wanted to to worship. It wasn't allowed in Britain. They had, they had the right to accumulate property. That was heavily controlled in Britain. It, they stopped peasants from having property for a thousand years. So what? common rights or values do they have with the U.S. That's why the U.S. fought the war against Britain. This is, and it's good for Britain, for Europe, and for the wider world that today France and Germany and the European Union are building stronger relationships with America. Well, we know that after the Americas 
have been completely integrated with now to be tied completely with the European Union. That's been written about in the constant foreign relations on magazines called Foreign Relations. Whatever they write is, is the agenda. The 20th century showed that when Europe and America are distant from one another, instability is greater. When partners for progress, partners for progress, the world is stronger. And in the years ahead, notwithstanding the huge shift in economic influence underway, oh, we're all being looted. I believe that Europe and America have the best chance for many decades to achieve historic progress. Now, what is historic progress? Even the term was taken from communism because when they planned their agenda and in the upheavals and the killing off of the peasant class, in fact, who worked on the land in the Soviet system, they called it historic necessity. In other words, in advance, they had to kill off the people so they could write the history the way they had planned it to turn out, it's called. So here he's calling it historic progress. Working ever more closely together on the project of building a global society and, and helping bring in all continents, including countries today outside the G8 and the UN Security Council, to give new purpose and direction to our international institutions. So we're run by international institutions. And while no longer the mightiest military or the largest economically, the United Kingdom has an important contribution to make, just as London has become a global hub, linking commerce, ideas, and people from all over the world. So too, our enduring values and our network of alliances can help secure the changes we need they talk about treaties, alliances are done by treaty. Britain became Great Britain and ruled a good part of the world through d- blasting countries, basically, wherever they went, looting them, putting in their own system, and then calling it a commonwealth. Shared values, eh? And a network of alliances. And once they had their own puppet regimes in, they, they made treaties with them, so they all came to each other's aid. A new framework for security and reconstruction. Today there is still a gaping hole in our ability to address the illegitimate threats and use of force against innocent people. It is to the shame of the whole world that the international community failed to act to prevent genocide in Rwanda. That was planned. We had General Dallaire, I think it was Dallaire in Canada here, who was in Rwanda in charge of a few troops who were Belgian troops. Under, under the United Nations and he kept sending in reports of the coming slaughter in Rwanda the French were actually behind it they trained the faction that started it off they were told to the French military did it part of the EU and he kept sending reports to the United Nations who completely ignored him and he still never got it through his head that this was meant to be the slaughter was meant to be and it broke the man now he's actually working in a non-governmental organization for the United Nations, he still doesn't get it. He says, but if we are to honor that responsibility to protect, we urgently need a new framework to assist reconstruction with a systematic use of earlier Security Council action, proper funding of peacekeepers, targeted sanctions, and the ratcheting up to include the real threat of international criminal court actions, we must now set in place the first internationally agreed procedures to prevent breakdowns of states and societies. But where breakdowns occurred, the United Nations and regional bodies, these regions you see, we're all into regions now, 
such as the EU and the African Union, must now also agree to systematically combine traditional emergency aid and peacekeeping with stabilization, reconstruction, and development. What you're going to see is when it happens in the U.S. and so on, to bring all these different troops from all of these countries, that's part of the agreement as a rapid deployment forces. And they will work with the multi-jurisdictional task forces already set up in Canada and the States and Mexico. The people should go into this and read it for themselves. It's a long speech, but there's a lot in there that affects the entire planet because this is really the mouthpiece of the global system talking there. And it affects every country on the planet, more so the Americas than most at the moment, I would say, because they depend on the U.S. that has been policing the world for since World War II to do the rest of it until the other big boys take over. China eventually is slated to take over as policemen of the world. Now, I've got some callers now, so I'll go to them. And we've got Antonio from Maryland there. Are you there, Antonio? Yes, Alan. How are you doing today? I'm hanging in here. <laughs> That's good. Um, speaking of progressive partnerships, were you able to enjoy your um, contaminated and genetically modified food for dinner? <laughs> well, I, t- I tell you, I, what I do, what I do, I, I, I tend to stick to the same basic diet. I don't vary it very much at all. Mm-hmm. And when I find something that doesn't, uh, maybe utterly, completely sick and nauseous, I'll stick to it for as long as I can until they change it again, and I do become nauseous. Because, yeah, we're all being poisoned off with, with uh, this, this awful food. But I did manage to squeeze a dinner in tonight. Yeah. Yes, actually, I tend to have the same habit, eat the same thing most of the time also. Um, I wanted to tell you that I appreciate your, um, earlier today I heard you on um, the, um, I think it's the National Intel Report with um, uh, Mr. Statmiller. Yes. Um, you know, and enabling yourself to see clearly and not your rose-colored or gray-colored um, eyeglasses yeah. <laughs> to see things as they really are. Um, and um, speaking on um, the, the rich banks ripping everyone off um, and the dialectic, and people have to realize also it's more than just two sides trying to get you to one point. And, Absolutely. Um, yeah, and actually, if you if you if you if you if you visualize it, is actually the beginning, the two dialectics, and the end, which makes a square. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and you turn it to you, you turn the points um, um, north and south. It becomes a diamond, and split in half. It represents the male, female, the hermaphroditic. Um, yeah. You realize that they always say there's two sides on both sides of every story. Mm-hmm. There's the ones that oppose each other on both sides. They don't realize there's another group too. Uh, guiding them along into a different agenda, mm-hmm. and that's how the square works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this um, the seven hundred dollar bailout that just happened. Um, a lot of people think it's about um, the, um, I guess the co- coagulation of all the banking systems and bringing in a one currency. But it's more than that. It's, it's a much land. It's a big land grab also because they're taking up people's properties around sure, the world. <laughs> that again, remember too, under manifesto. And the Communist Manifesto, and the United Nations Manifesto, and Albert Pike's Manifesto, they all said the world they bring in would have no, eventually no private property for the people. Mm. Yeah, well, we're so yeah, you're quite right. There's a lot happening under the guise of just basic looting. They are allowed to loot, but, but there's another reason behind it. It is to be a completely different system that will eventually emerge in the world. 
Yes, and the, and the giveaway um, exacerbates the problem of the uh, the mortgage problems that's going on around the world right now. Oh yeah. Um, also, oh, yeah. I wanted to um, touch on something else here. I just blew out of my mind. Um, well, I'll, I'll end it there and let you go to the next caller. If, okay. if I think about it, I'll call you back another time. Sure enough. Thanks All right, and uh, can I say one more thing? Um, yeah. Everyone, donate to Alan. Needs your help. That's I forgot that myself. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I just remembered real quick. Um, um, you said that repetition. That's uh, right. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's what um, they try and get everyone to do, um, but on the other side. Maybe we need to start telling people, you know, mm-hmm. you need to resist. Yes. Fight for your freedom. <laughs> That's right. And, and even tell them eight times that they have freedom if they want to. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're you're free until you realize. I mean, you know, Murray had a little lamb. (laughs) That's right. That's how it works. Well, thanks for calling. All right. Goodbye. Bye now. Now, but uh, Sean from Idaho, are you there, Sean? Yeah, Alan. How you doing? Again, I'm hanging in. Yeah. Well, good. I'm really glad to hear that. Um, You know what? Until I started listening to you, you know, I I thought I was awake, and. I've listened to you now probably for the last uh, three, four months. I've, I've gone back and, and probably listened to uh, 400 of your of your talks, and, and I appreciate you sending out the books yeah. last week. And I'm about uh, well, I'm about halfway through number two. And I tell you what, I, if I may just say something to the listeners out there that that you know, because I, I sat on the fence for a while and, yeah. and I didn't know. Well, you know, I'll just listen and. I don't know if I really need to get the books, but but everybody needs to get your books. They're and different. They're very different. Very and it shows different. you just how, how, how dumbed down and, and how ignorant we truly are of what's all around us. Oh, I, I agree. And and you, you shouldn't be able to keep those on the shelf. I know. Um, anyway. There, there's, a, there's a break coming, so hold on and we'll come back after this message. I'm here. You're still there, yeah. Did you have anything more to add? Yeah, just just two quick things. You know, after reading and, and, and beginning to understand about the, the messianic uh, influences in our in our society, I, I understand now, and, and I'd like to get your take on you know on nine eleven. You know, nine one 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 equals twelve. Yeah. One plus two equals three, right? Yeah. Well, nine eleven is actually it, come, it still falls into the Ides of September which stands in, in the old uh, traditional mythologies of ancient Greece and Rome as the birth of the god or goddess, the, it's a hermaphroditic goddess, the warrior type that comes out of the head of Jupiter, the Greeks had it from Zeus, self-born through pure willpower, a brand new system coming into being. That's what it stands for. Mm. And uh, as you were, you were talking earlier too, I went to the uh, Chatham House uh, website, International affairs, and it's just funny on the top, you know, independent thinking on international affairs. Yes, and, and look how many departments from, uh, they're they're involved in. So many parts of our society, right down to to the future distribution of food to the world and, and every country, uh, everything is covered by them. Yeah, that one of the projects is, is they're working on uh, rethinking the U- United States international role. 
and yes. they're putting together a report to come out prior to the presidential inauguration in January. Yes, it's, it's all again. It's all time to come out at the right time. Believe right. you me, it's been done long ago. This report has been done long ago, and it's just unrolled as though they just beamed it up on the spot. Yep. Well, hey, Alan, that's all I had, and, and everybody, please support Alan. And, and Alan, I know you'll make it because we we can't lose you. You're too valuable out there. Well, thanks for calling. Thank you. Now it's the same with the donations, etc., and the books. People keep me going. You you bring me to you. Uh, through your donations and buying the books and CDs and discs and so on. And it is up to you to keep me going. The money from the advertising goes to the, the station to pay for their bills and their engineers and all the rest of it. And I've been on hundreds of shows over many years, and I've never asked a penny for any of them, even the TV shows as well, because what we're doing is too important. We're at the last stage of, of massive transformation in which we have no say. We're being dumbed down, literally sterilized, killed off to serve the plan and actually work towards the plan, help it come into being of someone else's idea of a brave new world. And it's diabolical in that sense because it's so macabre the way it's pulled off with this death and destruction and planned culling of people and crippling of people across the world. Uh, that, that you can't say, we don't even have the descriptive words in the language to describe, let's uh, say, this diabolical system that runs the world. And I think we've got, I'm trying to get the link up again, it sometimes drops for me. We've got TC in Florida. Are you there, TC? Evening, Alan. Hello. <clears throat> I'm joining the show as always. Um, I'm, I know we're almost out of time here. Just wondering um, if. if had you read anything about the Conference of European Armies uh, that was uh, in Europe uh, October 29th to 31st? Yeah, I've read quite a bit on them uh, and how the, the complete amalgamation is already taking place. They're already training different troops with other troops in preparation for the, for the European Army, but they're also going to amalgamate it. And that's will come up in this next speech you'll find with right. Obama. They'll integrate the American one with the European one that's coming up. Um, I'm going to send you an article I came across about that. Um, I know we're out of time now, so maybe you could deal with that in, a, in an upcoming I, show. I will do. It was a yeah. very, couple of Th- very Thanks for calling. Things. Well, from Hamish and myself in Ontario, Canada, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you.